Hello, and welcome to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. I'm social media editor, Dr. Sarah Wright, and I'm bringing you a special episode with our guests, some of which you may be familiar with, Dr. Lisa Fortier and Nick DeLuca. Dr. Lisa Fortier is the editor-in-chief for the AVMA Journals, and Nick is the assistant director and managing editor for the Publications Division. In this episode, we're going to discuss the innovations that the AVMA Journals brought to you in 2022 and the exciting projects planned for 2023. Nick and Lisa, thank you for joining me. Great to be here. Thanks, Sarah. This is going to be fun. <laughs> I agree. All right, Nick, let's start with you. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about your background and what your role is in the Publications Division? Sure. I've been with the Publications Division here at the AVMA for going on 28 years now. Uh, I've had a variety of roles, most of them in production with the journals. My current role as Assistant Director and Managing Editor allows me to work on a variety of different things, um, from author engagement all the way to budgeting and whatever special projects that Lisa wants to throw my way. Very nice. I know that you wear many hats like many of us do in the publications division, so always a pleasure working with you. So speaking of Lisa, how do you and Lisa work together? Well, since Lisa's come on board, you know, she's really developed a collaborative philosophy. So uh, we try to build a team here. And I, I, I talk to Lisa multiple times a day, either via Zoom or phone. And uh, it's really my goal to try to take whatever she envisions for the journals and the division and, and make that come to fruition. So, you know, whatever she has on tap is really you know, our goal as a production team to, to produce. And I think the results that we've garnered thus far have been amazing. I 100% agree with you. It's so cool to see what we've accomplished and feel to talk to everyone about that too. So, Lisa, can you provide our listeners with insight into what they're going to read in your December editorial? Gosh, I, I should have opened it, uh, but then I would just be repeating what we wrote. Uh, it was, I would really like to point out, like Nick and Sarah, it's just a really, really good team. And the AVMA leadership is behind publications, and we couldn't have done any of this without them. You know, we first started by taking twice monthly JAVMA to once monthly JAVMA. Uh, making things online ahead of print, decreasing, savagely decreasing our time to publication. As most many listeners will know, it was unacceptably long a couple of years ago. And now in both journals, JAVMA and AJVR, we're less than 100 days consistently. Sometimes we're like 34 days on a monthly inventory from submission to publication. Uh, so we have a, we started supplemental issues. So twice a year, we have really uh collated uh, around a specific issue. So we've had surgery and urogenital. Uh, we have derm coming up, which, and nutrition, all of which, you know, are super important. And because veterinary medicine is such a broad, broad field, we could never get enough in veterinary school, no matter what school you're at. They, these are just such important topics. And they're evolving, really evolving constantly with monoclonal antibodies and other medications that are coming up. So uh, and dental, we have dental coming up to uh, really just a, a super fun editorial staff. I think what was very difficult when I came on board was change because it was also in the middle of COVID and people were already so tired of so much change. And then they have somebody coming in who's remote 
Uh, as you heard from Nick, many people at the AVMA have been at the AVMA for many years, and then I come on board and really change things from an author's perspective and a, an author and a reviewer's perspective. Uh, so what are some of the other, uh, we brought on a whole new leadership team. So Nick and I are there, Sarah, you came on. We're the only, we're the only veterinary journal. Uh, and I can only think of one human journal that have their own social media editor. And Sarah, as listeners know, is a DVM. Uh, and that's really important in order to be able to distill a whole manuscript down into what we call a blurb. So Sarah can take the whole manuscript and tell you in like one sentence what the take-home message is. And then you can say, oh, I definitely want to go and read that. So uh, we've uh, internally rearranged a lot of different jobs to help with this really intense focus on customer service for authors and reviewers. We brought on a publications editor uh, who's on Nick's team, well, all of our team, but she was a copy editor. So really knows what the final product needs. So at the very beginning, when you submit a manuscript, she can then help you. Um, Michelle Krieger is her name, can help you and the authors to be in a very friendly way to say, you need to do this. Or many times Michelle will just take care of it for the author. So there's not this like pickleball viewing of a manuscript going back and forth between authors and, and the editorial staff. We really want, as Karen Dodson, our editorial manager says, you want to keep the the boat floating down the river. Uh, so those are probably the main, oh, and the podcast. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Starting the podcast. How could I forget about the podcast? So, uh, and this has just been a huge amount of fun uh, to interview the authors and uh, learn about them as well. What else, Nick? What else can you think of? I, I really, you know, some of the innovations that really struck me were some of the, you know, author-focused customer service things that we've done. Um, you know, obviously, we've really worked on trying to improve our submission to publication uh, dates and times and the ability for us to put online first content out there so that people can get that material and read it earlier than they would if they were just picking up the print journal, I think has really been a game changer for us and really allowed us to um, disseminate information much more quickly to our, our readers and, and get our author's words out there more, Actually, the other, more. The other one thing I really wanted to talk about listening to Nick, uh, we're really trying to make the journals more green. Uh, you might notice that the paper has changed a little bit in JAVMA, uh, not AJVR is online only. Uh, and that's so we, we're sourcing it from triple certified sources. So there's no effect on the environment. Uh, we're working on, we've already decreased the number of times you'll get Jabman in a, in a poly bag, lots and lots of things that we're also trying to do to make uh, our whole process more green. It's amazing. And I can tell you that after I read your editorial, I had a giant smile on my face, just recapping all the amazing things that we've done because as you're doing them, it doesn't feel like a lot, but going back and reading the editorial, wow, we have accomplished a lot in one year. And at least that's something that you've shared too with the division before that's just absolutely incredible what we were able to do in that time span. So Lisa, what was the catalyst for these innovations? Well, Sarah, that's a great, great, great question. Uh, I'm just about 60 years old. <laughs> and when, when I was a resident, if you got a manuscript into JAVMA and AJVR, it was an absolute home run. That is where you wanted to publish. But public, the publishing world has changed and there are so many options. 
there are just so many places that you can submit a journal. It's it's staggering and it, it can be really overwhelming. So the, the important things that Nick pointed out were time to publication, online ahead of print. So for readers that don't know what that means, that means as soon as your manuscript is accepted, it goes up onto the journal and PubMed and all those places, and then it can be pulled into the paper issue. That was really important, but also being really author and reviewer friendly. Uh, so I, I came into this position from the perspective of an author and a reviewer and somebody who just has uh, had a career-long respect and admiration for the AVMA. Now, I, I've said this a few on a few different interview platforms that when I was an intern, my advisor was very, Joe Ferner was very involved in, he was an equine arthroscopist. He was involved in the AAEP and the ACVS, but he kept saying to me, if you really, if you really, really want to make a difference in veterinary medicine, you stick with the AVMA because you think we have, I think, well, over easily over a hundred thousand members, right? So we in our publication division now have the ability to, in Nick's words, to get those authors' voices out there to 100,000 veterinarians, because for many of the listeners may or may not know that JABMA is a member benefit. So our, our, our manuscripts are behind a paywall. It's your number. It's, it is not maybe not your number one, but a major member benefit. So it's just a really, I love, love, love being a veterinarian. I think you do too, Sarah. Like veterinarians are very proud of what we do. I'm very proud to be part of the AVMA and this ability to get that word out to 100,000 veterinarians plus right? You put it in your in your waiting room. Lots of people put it in the waiting room. Uh, and then to be able to affect all those pets. So it's not just helping the veterinarians be better, but obviously the end game is to improve the lives of our pets. Um, so so that's where it is to get JABMA and AJVR to number one. And we're going to, we're, we're close. We're going to be there. We, we want to be the place Anytime somebody writes a manuscript, where do you want to submit it to? We don't want people having a 10-minute conversation and Googling open access animal model. We want everybody to be like JAVMA and AJVR. That's it. Well, we're definitely on our way, like you said, Lisa. I will hardly agree with that. So, Nick, back to you. Which accomplishments are you the proudest of out of all the ones that we've completed this year? It's difficult to pick just one because I think we've done made so many innovative changes. Um, but for a long time, JAVMA and AJVR were a print-based journal, and really people had to wait until the journal appeared in their mailbox for them to receive the content. And that worked for a long time. But as the years went by, we realized you know, we were behind the times. And now that we have the capability to deliver content in so many different ways, whether it be online early content on the website, uh, podcasts, social media posts, various e-newsletters, and things like that, I think we've really started to move into the forefront of communication within the veterinary community. And I really like the direction that we're going uh, in disseminating this information to the people that want it and delivering it in a way that is new and exciting and easier for them to consume. That's great. And it's just so important because you really need to stay on top of the latest research because things are always changing. And that's one of the things that I love about this field. Lisa, what about you? What's your proudest accomplishment? I think for me, as Nick said, I uh, 
I, I, for some of you that may not know, I spent more than 30 years at Cornell. And it's just an expectation at Cornell that you're going to collaborate with basic scientists and clinicians and small animal and large animal and technicians and just across the board. It's just, it's a culture at Cornell. And so I think for me, bringing that into not just the division, but to the board of directors and and reviewers and authors. So reaching out in, in the editorials, we're here to listen. Do you have suggestions for us? If somebody says, you know, that radiograph was blurry, thank you. Yes, we're we're working on this. We're doing this. And, and it's really collaborating with our publishing house. Uh, so I, I just think this culture of collaboration and inclusiveness, asking everybody in the division, what do you think? What do you like? What would you improve? Uh, I, I think for me, that inclusiveness and in building a team has been the my biggest accomplishment in the last year. It definitely has not gone unnoticed. And that's one of the things I love about the culture of the AVMA, just the collaborative nature. And you can pretty much talk to anyone about anything, you just get some really great ideas going. Now, usually change doesn't come about without a bit of adversity. What has been the most challenging part of instituting changes for the journals? I believe you know change is inevitable, but with change, obviously, there comes adversity. And we have a we've had a lot of staff in the publications division that has a lot of tenure and had done things, you know, a certain way for a long time. And whenever that occurs and, and change comes, you know, there's there's some difficulties that go along with that. Um, I've been really, really proud of the resiliency of the staff and their ability to adapt and change and move from, you know, what was a, a print-based model to an online-based model and to see, you know, the feedback that we get from authors and readers, you know, has made that change rewarding. And I, I think everybody's bought into the philosophy and understands uh, the necessity behind it. And it's really been rewarding to to be part of that team and and see the growth that the the journals have made both online and in print. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it was challenging for the whole team. And again, I just you know it's not just that people had done things for a long time the same way. That that's a huge component of it. But to reiterate that this was smack dab in the middle of COVID, you know, and we were all getting these messages of quarantine for this long. No, you can go to work. Yes, you can't go to work. You can go to school. And think of those people that had younger kids. You know, Nick and I have college age kids who all came home. <laughs> so we had our own things to deal with. But many of our staff members have uh, Ill, pay, Ill parents. Uh, it, it, was, it still is a trying time, but we were making all these changes in probably the most uh, very difficult time for a lot of people logistically. And it was it was crazy. The other thing that I found, and I still do this to this day, uh, and this will lead into your next uh, question or, or somewhere down the road, you're going to ask us eventually about what we're doing next year, <laughs> since that's the title of the podcast. One of the things that I learned not knowing any part of this as a author, an associate editor for other journals, or as a reviewer, because we self-publish, right? JAVMA Nick and his team put together and sent to the printer and the printer then mails it out. It's not Elsevier or Sage or another big publishing house. So one of the things that I learned was if we wanted to initiate a change online ahead of print or change a title of a manuscript, there's a million trickle down things that needed to happen. So if I was like, well, let's do this in October, Nick would say, hold on, whoa there, pony. 
we can't do that in October because this has to be in place and that has to be in place and that has to be in place. And then when that happens, we need to do this and we need to do that. And so those sorts of things I'm still learning. Uh, So every time we have a change, it's not just from my naive view, it was like, well, let's just put them online ahead of print. How hard is that? Let's take AJVR open access, right? That's the no research journal should be behind a paywall. So taking AJVR open access, then what do you do with those 50 manuscripts that were in the mix, in the blur? Um, Oh, yeah, that's right. We needed a whole new copyright for open access. Oh, that's right. It has to go by legal. (laughs) So all of those sorts of things, all those other steps. Uh, And then so now when we have discussions, uh, other, you know, then we have to fix things in manuscript central. So, So those are the sorts of things. But what I think is really cool is when we have an idea now, the whole team pitches in, right? Let's do this. Everybody's like, we got to have to do that and this and that and that. Everybody looks at it from a different lens in our team. And, and then we can do things so much faster. Like Sarah, you launched virtual collections already. And we weren't going to do that until Q1 of 2023. And then you were like, well, how, let's try it. And then Justin Deere chipped in and nicked it. And you did it in like a week. I, I just, it's just a really amazing team. And it, in, the innovations won't, stop uh, because that's not that publishing is just ever evolving and because we can. And just putting a plug into for virtual collections, our newest virtual collection, Dietary Indiscretion, is going to be live in December. So be sure to check that out, especially if you have pets coming into your hospital during the holidays, eating things they should not have. So it's amazing to talk about what we've done last year, but now looking to the future, what advancements can JAVMA and AJVR readers look forward to in 2023? I think we have some really exciting things coming you know, up in 2023. We have some, some great supplements scheduled already. We have some content collections that we'll be putting out on a monthly basis. Um, we're working on improving our search engine optimization. We have a cover art celebration, which is celebrating 50 years of JAVMA cover art which will include uh, a book that we're putting together as well as some uh, celebrations that that are going to happen at convention. Um, Like Lisa touched on earlier, we have some environmentally friendly green initiatives that we're working with our printer partner to um, deliver journals to our readers in a more environmentally friendly way. I think that's going to be very exciting. Uh, We have a huge project that we're really excited about making progress in archiving our back issue content for both JAVMA and AJVR. Currently, when you go to the website, you can search all of our content back to 2000. It is our goal, not necessarily in 2023, but we've started the ball rolling uh, in this direction to get all of our content that we have um, from existence from 1877 for JAVMA and 1940 for AJVR, uh, digitally archived and electronically scanned so that we can provide that to not only the veterinary community, but the science world uh, in in general. Um, so that's a really, really exciting uh, endeavor that, that we're, we're working on as well. Uh, I know I'm, I'm forgetting other things that I'm sure Lisa will, will add to that list, but um, those are some of the things that are keeping me busy, you know, moving into the next year um, and, and some of the things that I'm really excited for. 
Lisa, what are some other things that we can look forward to? Yeah, Nick nailed them all. Some of them I even forget about because we have we have so many fun things to do. Uh, the one that I, the other additional one that I would really like to emphasize is our video only manuscript category. So this means that you, as an author, could have a video that might be epidural anesthesia for C-section in the goat. Uh, how to create a pulley system to examine the boat, obviously a large animal, <laughs> to examine the cow's foot. Uh, there, there's so many things, right? So it, digital age has is, is been here for a long time. People view videos. So think of all those teaching videos that you may or may not have had access to. And as a student, for sure, right now, they have tons of access. Some of those access points will be cut off when you leave veterinary school. Others might stay active. I was just trolling Cornell's and you can get on some and not others. There's VIN, which you have to subscribe to to get videos. And at least there are qualified people creating them. Of course, there's YouTube. Who knows who made those? And some of those make me really cringe that you think that's where you're getting your teaching material. So, so what we want to do is curate a lot of those teachings. So they're technique or animated videos. So maybe one is, I'm making this up, of course, but maybe one is if you're swallowed by a horse now how do you get through to the other end like that could be an animated video sequence if your blood going through the heart or through the cardiac system right heart and lungs how do you how do you get around there some visual for that a lot of these things exist but they aren't peer reviewed so we will be fully peer reviewed it'll be just like any other manuscript so as an author when you submit that it will have a doi it will be on pubmed it will be searchable and it will be in a JABMA, uh, a JABMA collection. So we're super excited about that. It's already on the website. You can already submit it, but we're really going to have a campaign to launch it in 2023. I'm super excited about that. I think it's going to be a great way to deliver information in the digital age. And it's going to be really fantastic. So definitely look out for more information on that. Now, moving on to Lisa's favorite question. We're going to start with Nick, though, because I'm very interested to hear your response. What is the most interesting or oldest item in your desk drawer? And will I know what it is? <laughs> I, I don't know if you'll know what it is. Um, are you familiar with what a pica ruler and a proportion wheel are? No. <laughs> so uh, you know, these are items back in the day before we had such uh, I started here at the AVMA before everybody had their own personal computer and we were still doing uh, layout and design with glue and exacto knives and paste up boards and things like that. So um, we had to actually you know, go to uh, a one hour photo mart and, and make make photos out of film and, you know, size those down with a proportion wheel so that they would uh, be able to be shot on a on a scanner or a printer at a certain percentage. So uh, those are some of the things I keep for nostalgia's sake, just to uh, reminisce back to the to the days of where I started and and how far we've come. Very nice. I will have to stop by to see these items so I can visualize what they look like. <laughs> Lisa, how about you? Mine's not that exciting. I'm at my home office. Um, so this, I just put this real home office with a bank of monitors together when I started the AVMA a little over a year ago. Um, so my kids will kill me, but uh, these old pictures of them. So, <laughs> this one is now super slim and in uh, university. 
Uh, she, <laughs> she's a junior at Buffalo. She would absolutely kill me. And this one's in medical school. <laughs> but those are probably my oldest uh, items. And most interesting, of course, because I think because they're my children. I love those that. Are awesome. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, thank you both again for your time today. I just really appreciate you joining me and sharing information about what we've done this past year and what our readers can look forward to next year. I'm Dr. Sarah Wright, and I'd like to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. Until next time, take care, and we'll see you soon.